Leadership Podcast. I'm Darlene and I'm Ted. And we're back for some more conversations around reconstructing. Construction? <laughs> reconstructing. We're reconstructing uh, church, reimagining um, church in light of so many things that have affected the church in the last couple of years and in in forever (laughs) you know the the church is always evolving um based on what's happening in our world and how things are changing and so we are intentional about discerning um what it means to be a community of jesus and that's an ongoing work so we've taken our values and allow are allowing them to um, f- give the structure to our conversation about um, how we restructure through openness, connection, and responsiveness. And this week, we're going to talk about connection, about being connected, and explore a little bit more um, from what you challenged us with on Sunday, uh, Ted, and just want to refer people that if they want to listen to that conversation last Sunday morning, they can go kind of pause this and go back and listen to it. Um, we want to kind of, um, talk a little bit about some of the things that you brought up and maybe go into them further. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a few links into the, uh, the podcast notes, um, around uh, this past worship service and uh, a copy of our Seeds Church Playground, which gives a bit of uh, how our core values fit into stuff and um, some other stuff that relates to what we're talking about. But I was just, as I was thinking as you were introducing, um, you talked about how we, reconstruction is necessary because of the way our, way things are shifting in our world and things are changing and things are different. And it just always makes me think, it always feels like we're living in such unprecedented, different times, things, so much is happening. And it just always makes me think, is that just uh, our own recency bias around this is what we know and we see a lot of things happening? Or is it really as different as it was 25 years ago or 50 years ago? I'm, I, there's no answer to that question, but it's a be be a good thought conversation just to say like, well, I wonder how different it really is. I was, when I was driving home from Winnipeg last week, um, on ideas, they are exploring, I think four different years that, that they consider kind of hinge years that, um, you know, where things actually really shift. Of course it can't be, they acknowledge too that, it's it's not like you can like pull out one year in specific because there's things leading up, but there are very significant time periods where it's like after this event and this year, this is like things were not the same, and so they started with the year sixteen hundred actually, okay, and then they had yeah, so I can't remember what all the years were, but yeah, hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, these are things that you usually can't know for sure until you're out of them, right? Yeah, it's, I'm just thinking about, like, we are old enough to know, remember what it was like 25 years ago. 
yeah. harder for us to remember 50 years ago, but 25 years ago um, is near enough. And yeah, I wonder, wonder if we could reflect on, you know, are we in on bigger shifts? It just sure feels like we've um, had a more global kind of impact um, that's been felt by everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that maybe makes us think about things differently. It's not as isolated how this is what we've experienced, although the impacts of what we've experienced are different in different places. So, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, that made me think about that. And, um, so, so, yeah. So we've been using Peter as a, as a bit of a character, uh, a person to reflect on. And in our, in talking about what it means to be connected as a church, um, to reconstruct or reimagine connection from a holistic perspective, like connection to self, connection to others, connection to God. Um, what do you want to just kind of lead us through a little bit of what, um, what your kind of big idea was around that? Yeah. So what we were looking at in terms of Peter this past week, and I believe you're going to also come back to this letter um, that Peter wrote to one of the early church communities. They think it was a Gentile Christian community in Turkey. So uh, kind of a different culture of, of community than the early church that began in Jerusalem and kind of was, was born out of um, followers of the Jewish faith. Um, yeah, I think um, what's, what I find kind of interesting about Peter's words in um, chapter 2, verses 2 to 10, um, it's, it's one of those, you know, familiar passages where it talks about living stones. Um, I'm thinking of the camp song that we would have learned at camp or sung at retreats. Uh, Once you were no people, now you are God's people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and I remember singing Rejoice songs about being living stones and... Um, so kind of an interesting metaphor because we know stones are inert. They don't, they don't breathe. They don't have blood flowing through them. And yet here's this idea that um, a community that's connected to God because it has Christ as the cornerstone of the community and that uh, everyone is a living stone that's interconnected and is creating a sanctuary of life, um, a space of the kingdom. And so there's those three interdependent kind of connections that are, are being talked about, um, that we, that we recognize Jesus is at the center of that community and that we are as individuals, a part of something together. And, um, it really raises the question, like, what does, what does it mean to, to be that kind of community that's connected to God, connected to yourself, and connected to others. And um, the other, I think, the thing that really strikes me in this passage is um, the idea that we're all priests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked how you how you talked about that. Yeah, like I think we haven't had as much emphasis on the idea of all being priests in the in the Christian community more recently. This is, I mean, it's a big part of the Protestant tradition. You talked about the 1600s, but I mean, like, that was mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure what was happening had something to do with uh, mm-hmm. what was going on in Europe and the Protestant Reformation and all that. Um, but there was this um, movement where there was a recognition that one didn't need a priest to find connection to God, an intermediary, but that we are all actually given that role and we could be priests for each other. And so there's a real kind of trying to flatten the hierarchy of Christian community, um, successful in some ways and not as successful in others. I mean, we come from a tradition, the, the radical Reformation tradition of the Anabaptists. And I mean, they were much, much less hierarchical and around things they, like how you interpret scripture. Like we need to wrestle with it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they really took seriously that the priesthood of all believers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they would, I mean, some, some Anabaptist traditions today still, you know, will, will find their leaders from a very kind of flattened way as they give a bunch of, well, in this case, a bunch of men, so it's not that flat, um, <laughs> but uh, give a bunch of men like a hymn book and one of the hymn books has a piece of paper in it and that mm-hmm. person gets selected by lots to be, to be the leader. And so you don't go through a training process, you don't go through an ordination process and then get brought as a leader. So anyway, it's, um, but I think for our kind of understanding of, of the church community, I, I, I think that we have trouble owning that as part of the community, that we might all be people. A priest, in my understanding, is simply a person who bridges between um, God and another person. So um, we all can be that person who helps connect somebody to a connection with God. I mean, they're the old... I, old language of like lead a person to Jesus, you know, it's kind of like uh, the old evangelism sort of kind of method. But this is more, I don't know, less less about that and more about like we have the ability to point to something and maybe in our own experience with God, we can connect other people to it. And um, We are bearers of, we are all bearers of the, yeah. the divine image yeah. and, and, interact and are connected right like that's a connect that's a connection um statement yeah yeah and it also in this passage like the whole thing about once you were no people and now you're god's people one of the priestly works is to let people know how much how much they're worth like Mm -hmm. like um i think the language is comes from some old testament where literally it says um, your name was no person or, or your, your name mm-hmm. was no people. Yeah. Which is kind of a, um, basically you're worthless. And, and this now says, well, now you are something. And so, um, sometimes maybe that's a priestly role that we have is just, um, helping people recognize their inherent worth as image bearers of God. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be, a incense and, uh, candles and um black robes to be a priest you can be much more like uh down to earth so yeah how do you mean can i can i let that kind of carry us over into the next part of um what you led us through which which um which was the question that you asked with how we how we carry that 
that, I mean, the, the letter in first Peter to the kind of community there to, then you ask the question, like, what does it mean to be living stones and to be priests in our time and culture? And you, um, raised what I think has become a greater tension for us in our time to how we think about being connected to ourselves and being connected to community. And so you took this, what, what, what we call the polarity of individual and community and, um, walked us through a bit of a process of what it means, what a polarity is and how we manage this tension, the apparent, you know, tension of the, the self and the community, um, give us, give, give (laughs) just a really concise, um, um, explanation of what a polarity is and how we are to manage it, not solve it. Yeah. So, um, before I try to concisely explain the polarity thing, um, I think that what I wanted to focus on was um, a real cultural dynamic or tension that we deal with in our time and where we live. And I mean, it'd be interesting to compare it to other places and other times, but I mean, it's a reality for us that we tend to be a more individualistic culture and we're all different, um, but we tend to um, move towards um, being very concerned about our own rights and our own needs and our own desires. And um, we struggle with how to become part of something larger than ourselves. That's kind of a joint venture with people. And um, in some ways, maybe it's because we see people who are very involved in joint ventures, but they're, they're based on toxic, toxic reality or toxic beliefs, um, very black and white ideas. And we don't want to be kind of like we use a lot of language in our culture around like, you know, well, it's cult-like or you drank, the, you drank the Kool-Aid. Again, a cult reference to uh, the Jonestown massacre where people were killed by drinking Kool-Aid. Um, so, so we have a lot of suspicion, I think, about the we versus the I in our culture. And so... And we also have, on the other end, we have a lot of exhaustion of the I. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of things that don't even seem to go together, right? Like, there seems to be people are very um, self-oriented in our culture, but also we, we hear a lot about loneliness and isolation. So, so there's, um, there's a problem that's come out of that self-focus and to think about reconstructing church, we're talking about the community, the, the we, and how does the individual fit into the we? So I just wanted us to wrestle with that reality. I think, uh, I don't think anybody would disagree with that, that that's the reality of our time. And um, um, so just wanted to start there. So that, that's where the idea of like, how can we think about this in a constructive way? Um, we tend to think about 
important issues that we wrestle with in terms of binaries. Like um, we think of the individual and the community as a binary. That means like, well, what, which is more important, the individual or the community? Mm-hmm. Um, and polarity thinking, and uh, I'll put a link to uh, a TED Talk that explains polarity thinking um, very, very well. And, um, you know, and uh, you can also listen to my teach. I also explain it, maybe not as well as the, the TED Talk. But it's a way of thinking about two sides of an issue, not as being either or, but more of a both and kind of understanding. So the definition of polarity is simply when two pairs or points of view are interdependent. So it means it's not one or the other. It's you need to recognize both of them. And uh, we talked about how the one of the simplest, com- most common polarities is just the cycle of breathing, exhaling and inhaling. No one would ever argue that inhaling is more important than exhaling. So the other part of the polarities is that um, we often tend to see one side of the pole as being positive and the other side as being negative. And polarity thinking lets us think about, well, there's upsides and downsides to both sides of the dynamic. And depending on how long we are... um, hanging out on one side of the pole, we are probably going to eventually start experiencing the downsides of the polarity. So when you think about the individual and the community, um, people who are emphasizing the individual in themselves will have a, feel a lot of self-power, empowerment, self-care will be important, taking time for yourself, um, you know, being able to claim I'm important, you know, so my needs are important um, is kind of on the upside of the individual. On the downside, though, is people who um, are very, very self-focused, they can become self-indulgent, self-centered, narcissistic, narcissistic. And then um, actually, at some point, the things that you actually want for your life, like connection and worth, you start to feel isolated and lonely and your view gets narrowed because you have less interaction with other points of view. And so it can become a real negative place. It can be a place where you get stuck. And, um, you know, self-care is great, but at some point, self-care can feel like, um, I don't know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like, well, it's good to watch a couple of shows on Netflix, but when when you binge for five or six hours straight of Netflix, you might start feeling a bit like, oh, you know, even Netflix is telling me maybe I should take a break. <laughs> <laughs> even, the, even the app is telling you, you know, you've been watching for a long time. So we understand that there's, there's a place where you, it gets negative. So that's on the individual side. And, and if you find yourself in the negative of the individual side, you might actually feel drawn to community, connection, belonging. And so you move to the other pole and you hope to experience things like a larger vision and, um, you know, uh, the French word esprit de corps, which is kind of like the, the spirit of being part of a team. Anybody who's played on a team or been a part of a high-performing group of any sort, an organization that's accomplishing something, there's a sense of like, we're important and we're here for each other and we're doing something together. But many of us have also experienced the downside of community where suddenly um, you start getting messages like, well, your needs aren't all that important. The needs of the group are more important. 
um, the group really needs this to get done. So you need to put aside your needs and help us do what we're trying to do. And that can lead to burnout. It can lead to um, feeling like you don't have a self, that you're just a cog in something that's beyond yourself and you're out of control and you don't have power or agency anymore. You feel and disconnected. You feel disconnected even though you are part of something. Yeah. So, so uh, I just wanted us to reflect on the fact that although we deal with a very individualistic society, there is actually a polarity there that we are a part of. And I wanted people to reflect on, well, where do you find yourself right now? And I think people can find themselves in different places. We did this exercise with our lead team exec um, last night, and uh, we had a great conversation about how the loop of moving in between the, the, the polarities, how we saw that from our own perspective. And, and uh, you know, it was a good conversation. And it's, it's, it's one of those tensions that we're not going to solve as a community but if we're more aware of the tensions, it might allow us to move through and maybe even ask good questions of each other. So, um, disconnection, I'm just thinking now, like disconnection is really a downside on both sides, right? Like if you are so concerned with yourself, like in a, in a self-absorbed way, then you become disconnected. And if you are so absorbed in you always have to be like hustling for accomplishment and hustling for what the community expects of you and what other what your family needs all the time and you're always like just like moving for the group you have a real disconnection to what is happening within yourself and what or and and maybe even an actual disconnection with the group because it's just it's it it you can be self-absorbed in a group, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I think your um, insight about you can be disconnected on both sides of the polarity. I think that's really helpful because um, we would tend to think of connection in relationship to a value in church as being a value of we. Mm-hmm. And I think what you point out is actually the value of connection is that there's actually an interdependent understanding of connection, which means one must be connected to the I and the we and the the or the thou, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, God being kind of like the 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 other connection that we have that sort of overarches our self and our other kind of connection stuff. And, you know, um, even in that, I mean, it just makes me think about the great, the great commandment that Jesus, um, summarized for, for people. He said, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, like deeply connected, intimate with God. That's the number one commandment. And the second commandment is like the first Love your neighbor as yourself. And so um, right in there is a, a perspective on connection that's very interdependent on the self and the other with God being kind of the source of it. 
So, um, it, it, in that there is a dynamic, um, like dance, so to speak, right. Without, without, again, without hierarchy, it's like God self others are, are in communion with one, are, are in unity with one another. Mm-hmm. And we experience suffering. I think when we are kind of misaligned or disconnected from, from any part of that. Yeah. So it kind of, it, one of the struggles I had when I was listening to you on Sunday was kind of like, okay, it's not to be solved, but in, in the, in the church, um, I realize I'm using a pretty broad term, but I think in the church there has been quite a bit of um, like an assumption that the that the we is more important. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like biblically too, I I don't see evidence of like the I. I mean, there is there the I is important, but it seems to not be as important as the we. And so I was questioning that for myself, first of all, like, is that, is that true? Um, And thinking about all the experiences that maybe listeners have had of, you know, the guilt of, you know, what, like self-sacrifice is ultimate. Right. And Jesus is our model for self-sacrifice. Um, and we often f- maybe frame that in ways that make it sound like somehow that's, that's separate than that's separate from, from an I, I don't, when I say the I, I don't, I'm not thinking like the individual, uh, but I think Jesus was deeply connected to himself mm-hmm. as he was connected to God, to the Father, and to the Spirit. I think they were always, they weren't in competition with one another. Yeah, yeah. When, no, we could have like a, a really good, complicated discussion on the Trinity and what's all going on in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're interdependent. Um, but we've pitted them against each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, my, my, my sort of, um, intuitive sense about it is the reason why you would hear this conversation the way you're hearing it is that we have been very, very influenced by a certain way of thinking about church as the we, and it's, um, you know, we've sort of subjugated the self in the way that we have have defined the church. And I think that um, we lose some dynamism and some energy when we when we fail to recognize there's both a self and a and a community, a we in uh, in our understanding of being in community. Like, um, if you even think about the community of a marriage relationship or any kind of relationship between two people, I mean, um, there's a sense that each person's 
needs and desires are very important, but there's also a sense of the needs and desires of the, of the group, you know, the two people or the family or, and how do we, how do we, um, manage, how do we negotiate those tensions? Like, well, if we, if we believe that, well, one doesn't really matter in that, we're not going to be able to manage that. But if we can understand that, well, there's some keep, it seems like competing things, but they're both important, just like inhaling and exhaling. We need to, we need to wrestle with it. And we can, we can ask questions like, well, where are we leaning? Like I think I always think of that, you know, leaning in a boat kind of thing. Like if you're just all leaning out the same side all the time, you're just going to tip the boat. So there's times where you need to actually move to the other side. And um, I don't know if balance is the right word, but there's a, you have to, you have to hold the two together to stay, to stay upright. Right. Um, and so as, as leaders, I think in the church, we, if we're talking about reconstructing and reimagining, I think one of the things that feels so important to me is that, um, that we develop like, I'm so aware that every individual, everyone is struggling with this, with this boat and balancing all the needs in their life, their own needs, their partner's needs, their family's needs, the church's needs. And it can just all kind of feel very like, ah, I'm never like one person on our team last night said, every yes feels like it's costing something else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that, that really hit me like, okay, that means that some there's consequences and it, there's a weightiness to how we, how we as quote individuals discern our, you know, where we are in that polarity and how much we give to the we and how, how we not just give to the we as if we somehow are separate from our self when we're giving to the we it, but, but the, I don't know, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think vocabulary about what's going on and a perspective that doesn't see these as being right or wrong, but actually, sibling rivalry or something you know i don't know how you want to think about it just a lot just makes us ask some questions so when we're sitting sitting down with somebody who's feeling isolated disconnected like one could ask questions about well how do you feel about your your relationship to yourself connection to yourself versus connection to other people and and something beyond yourself and one might suggest that well it sounds like maybe you're you're living kind of in the downside of of your individual self and you could be encouraged or invited into some kind of connection that you may find some some new energy um i mean you've mentioned a couple of times recently about how sometimes you just don't feel the energy in yourself to do something that's kind of on the schedule that involves getting together with people to accomplish something and then you've said afterwards well, I didn't really want to do that. But now that I've done it, I feel like, wow, I made such great connections and there was great energy and it became a highlight of, of the day. And that's where that's confusing for me because yeah. the, 
I mean, I think discernment is really important in terms of what we're active, what we say yes to and stuff. But the thing is that often we only realize it afterwards. So like, I, I will probably share this story on Sunday too, but that like, I didn't really want to, but I was said yes to it. So I'm a commitment person. I'm going to show up because I said I was going to show up, but myself would love to rest. Yeah. And then went reflecting on it at the end of the day and realizing, wow, that was the highlight. The thing that I didn't want to do in the morning was the highlight of my day. Mm -hmm. So how do I, like, how do I listen well to what I need? And how does sometimes I, how sometimes I push past what I need, what I think I need uh, for the community and, and, and I can't do that for anybody else. I think this is where we, we have to foster a community that is willing to practice and discern and to kind of go, okay, I think this is a time when I'm going to sacrifice my need for the community because I really value this. And other times I know that I need to step back from something and someone might look at me and say, oh, that's selfish. Yeah. Because these people really needed you to show up. And you were selfish. And I, I think we have to remove judgment about how other people are discerning their movement, their purposeful movement, whether it's to step into something or whether it's to, to step away from something that that they're stepping away sometimes serves the community. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, this is where if we want to return to the living stones scripture from first Peter, I mean, the cornerstone is Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, the savior, the one who ushers in the kingdom. And so when we wrestle with the, we, I kind of, dynamic we do that in the context of our connection to god and if we feel like it's all on us mm -hmm. to make something happen when we think about our church community are we then there's something there's something misplaced there or like we're like we're misaligned with who like we're not god you know yeah. and we're not going to, we can't do everything. And so on that whole trade-off thing, like sometimes we just need to recognize we're human. We're, we're, we're mortal. Like someday we will, we will die and not be able to do anything on this earth anymore. Someday we will be older and not have the same energy. Um, we might be sick. We might have an injury or whatever, and we need to step away and we might need to receive more than we're giving at, at different times. But um, we do that all kind of under the umbrella of the mercy and the love and, and, uh, you know, the faithfulness of God. So we can do that and, and know that like, well, when I say I'm not going to do that, I don't have to, I shouldn't feel guilty because that's not going to get done because it's not up to us to get everything done. Like this goes back to this goes back to that interaction that we started with in this series, and that is Jesus said, 
um, Peter, I'm, you're a rock, and I'm going to build, the church is going to get built on you, the rock, and uh, I'm going to build my church mm-hmm. on you. He didn't say, you're going to build my church for me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it wasn't one or the other. It's like, I'm doing something with you, but it's on me. Like, I think there's, that's the, um, a good thing to remember. The other thing I was just thinking about is that there's some, um, like part of our misunderstanding, I think, of the we, of church and how that's become overemphasized is like sometimes we have good examples of leaders in these churches that are about the we. Are, there's actually a lot of individualistic, narcissistic, self-centered leadership in these churches that are centered around the we. Yeah. So if you're looking for a very... Um, you know, compelling and um, hard story of that. I mean, the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, really wrestles with those issues. And there was a situation where you had a very strong church identity that people felt connected to and a part of something really important. But it was being led by a very narcissistic leader that was very isolated and disconnected from the community that he was leading. And and from himself. And from himself, yes. And <laughs> so he became an abusive leader. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we've gotten the collective understanding of the church wrong. And it's we've gotten the message from leaders who had abandoned themselves or abandoned their families to lead the church. And it all became about the sacrifice. And, um, I mean, we all have stories of this, like... Um, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, I mean, I don't know, just, just, I just thinking of a story of, you know, somebody um, that I know who, who had, um, you know, had an experience with uh, um, attempting suicide and then, um, you know, talked about the pain of having a parent who left the next day for a ministry trip and, um, just felt completely abandoned and you know the feeling of that being sort of abandoned by the church because this was a person working on behalf of the church and kingdom you know and um you know i don't know like we there's Mm -hmm. some reckoning with that you know the Mm -hmm. the we isn't always giving us good fruit yeah so we have to discern that um one of the stories i hope to to share um, this weekend is um, Trisha Hearsay, I think. I can't remember her last name, but she, mm. this is the nap ministry lady, woman. She's a... Um, I love a, me some naps. A black womanist, um, but just super... Um, Rest as Resistance is the, is the title of her mm. book. Okay. And that kind of connects to some of what you're saying about um, getting out of the way um, and not buying into the kind of the machine of our society, of our individualistic, uh, capitalistic um, machine Mm -hmm. of production and... 
is sometimes very close. The work for the community is, you know, is a, is a cover for a really unhealthy self. Mm. Yeah. And so of course, and you know, self-care, there's like an industry that's been like benefited from quote self care, <laughs> you know, it's part of the machine too. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much to wrestle with and, um, kind of find our way as a unique faith community that doesn't buy into, um, the machine and, and on, on both sides, the individual and the community mm-hmm. and how we find our way, um, as people that are deeply connected to our true selves, to the communities around us and to the divine that is moving in and amongst us. Um, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid to wrestle with being connected to ourselves and inviting people to connect to themselves, thinking that if we do that, that the we will lose out. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we should not be afraid to challenge people and invite people to see how connection to self can lead to connection to others and they can be interdependent pairs that kind of can reinforce each other and and build each other up. And so I think we've just kind of felt like, well, we have to solve it. And um, we've solved it with self-care now. And, you know, in the next phase, we're going to solve it with the group, you know, being on board with the group, you know, and... Um, maybe we have to find a way to, to discern it together. And that's, I mean, that's what, that's the job we've been given to discern wisdom and to, to figure this stuff out and to listen to each other and to God and listen to the, the needs of the world Yeah. and, and come to a place. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, that saying God never sleeps, but we all have to have, we have to sleep. We have to shut her down. We have to take care of ourselves. And um, we can do that. You know, we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Looking forward to hearing you talk about that. I mean, it also sounds like we're never going to get anything done in the church, you know, if we start <laughs> talking about the nap ministry thing and stuff. Like, But uh, we'll have to take that chance. Yeah. Well, this has been a good conversation. And uh, we'll pick up again next week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Yep. As always, feel free to drop us a line with your thoughts, questions, uh, feedback. Yeah, we haven't haven't exactly been overwhelmed with uh, emails, texts, and feedback. So, you know. Send us a voice message. I would love. Are you out there? Can you, (laughs) you know, let us know if you're still alive. (laughs) All right. Peace, everyone.